Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, the podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm back again today with one of our recurring guests, Sarah Hawley, who is a public health nurse who supports early childhood educators, helping them create safe and quality spaces for the children and the families they care for. And so, Sarah, today we're going to talk about something that's timely. Right now in Minnesota, we're just getting into spring. Um, It's the time when the outside time for kids increases in childcare. Hallelujah. And so we're going to talk about creating safe play areas in childcare. And welcome, Sarah. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me back. I'm always happy to be here. And this is a very timely topic. It's been coming up a lot lately. Just I think our Minnesota winters go a little bit longer than everyone else's. And then all of a sudden, you know, April's like still snow. And then we get into May and everyone's thinking playground and outside time all of a sudden. Right. Whereas I think other parts of the country, you know, even in the Midwest are, you know, way into it, you know, months, six weeks earlier than we are. We're late. We are late. And it's so interesting. And I was just with a four-year-old the other day and she was telling me about how she skinned her knee. And I thought, and I said, oh yeah, it's that time of year for skin knees because snow pants and, and snow gear, and now you're out on bare pavement. And also there's just those hazards that can come up. So when you're thinking about creating and helping providers and educators create that safe play space, what are some things that you focus on? as a public health nurse? Great question. So the things that we kind of focus on three main areas, um, making sure the overall environment is safe, of course, that's the first thing. Um, Making sure there's active supervision, and we should probably talk about that. There's, you know, kind of five components under that that we should discuss a little bit. And then thirdly, um, maintaining maximum child to staff ratios, both indoor and outdoor is important. So we kind of focus on those three areas, um, you know, especially initially looking like right now, this time of year at the whole overall environment to make sure it's safe. Right. And I remember when I was teaching, our playground had a lot of grassy areas, but it also had big sandboxes. And so, you know, there was this period of time that before anybody went out there, it was sweeping all the sand and making sure that it was where it was supposed to be. Because Slipping on sand when you're a little kid running can really give you a really bad spray. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of skin and knees, that would do it right there. Yeah. 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 So that's one of the things that we always talk about, too, the importance of making sure, you know, each day in the morning before children get to the play space, whether it's your indoor or your outdoor play area, checking for hazards, you know, and then correcting and removing those things. So correcting, like you said, sweeping up the sand or, you know, even if it's wood chips on a playground, if those kind of get barren down low and raking those up or sweeping those up um, to get them to their proper fill. And then if you see like broken toys and stuff like that, um, looking at all those items, but every morning that should be done. Yeah. And so do you recommend having like one staff person responsible for that just to create consistency or how do you, how do you help people set up a project, a process for that? Yeah, I think if possible, having one designated staff person is great just for the consistency of, you know, what they see mm-hmm. from a data basis that they get familiar with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to look for. I mentioned like the broken or missing parts. Right. Um, 
you know, just like protrusion, protrusion of nuts and bolts on like playground systems, especially over the winter, all of a sudden in the spring, those can get loose or kind of pop out rust or chipping paint, peeling paint, sharp edges, anything that could cause like a splinter to just general wear or deterioration, but having the same staff person look from day to day, then they'll kind of know the pattern. So if possible, that is great. If not, then, you know, it can be a different staff person, but I think, I think the consistency would be helpful. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking back too to when you're talking about indoor play spaces, um, so often like the cleaning crew comes after everybody leaves and they might have a radio or they might have a, a hot cup of coffee or that they sat down and then went off to do something else and they didn't realize they left it out on the counter, which is accessible to the kids who come out right away that first thing in the morning. So I think that's a really great reminder is to do that survey. Yes. And that's like with vacuuming at the end of the day too, if a cleaning crew comes in and maybe the center has those outlet covers for protection, but they pull out and plug the vacuum in and they don't get back into the wall. So that's another thing to look at, you know, to make sure that those are all intact. Um, And even on outdoor playgrounds, you know, many programs have their own, like if it's a private childcare center or something, but some programs use a public space, you know, maybe they're their center or their family child care home is located adjacent to a park or nearby a park. And so they use that. So you don't think of, you know, things changing from day to day, but it is really important just because you don't know what happened overnight. You know, maybe it's used by the public um, community, like I mentioned. So every day, that's why that's important. And especially if it is a public playground, you're kind of changing mindsets a little bit and looking for more like things like litter, you know, is there food left over, um, cigarette butts, glass, you know, broken containers, leftover drinks. I mean, that happens. Animal excrement could be there, perhaps, you know, any standing water, things like that um, should be looked at. So, and so that creates another step for the team too to be having, so you kind of have to have a scout goes out first and leads the, the, you know, so as you're, before you get the, the kids over that edge, into that play space, it really does take that adult to really go scan before anybody's allowed because a child is so fast, they can find, and it could be something that wasn't really visible and it has a really a bad injury. Yeah. Yeah. And you really kind of have to plan for that if it's a public play space, you know, if it's at the center, you can go out to the playground and look at the area perhaps when you arrive in the morning, but if it's a public space, play space you do have to plan for that scout yeah that person right. to take a look yeah and and as we're talking to i'm even thinking about our play spaces are shared by multiple ages and lots of a, a range of age groups and so being aware of maybe the last group to play was the preschool classroom but they had some things out that maybe the toddlers shouldn't have out too so taking that into consideration Right. Or having, you know, a rule that things get put back and then the next group bring theirs, their their equipment out if it's a shared play space. The other thing, too, is to make sure that you look at the heights or if there's designations on the playground equipment for oh, age groups. Right. You know, if, if it's a public park and they have, you know, monkey bars that are for older, like school age kids, you obviously certainly don't want your toddlers on there. So that's important. You know, all the equipment should have a tag on it of what age group it's listed for. Oh, that's a good reminder too, of what to watch for, what to be looking for. There's a lot to take into consideration as you think of, oh, yay, we get to go outside, but that's just a whole nother layer of safety that we're adding. 
this time. It is. It's a lot. Yep. A lot, a lot going on there. And, and you mentioned earlier that active supervision piece and those components that are so essential for creating that. And um, so, and also you talked about the staff child ratios and the maximum. I think sometimes um, we can be lulled into thinking that, oh, we're in these great open spaces. There's so much for the kids to do. I can just sit on this bench over here and relax. Right. <laughs> that doesn't work. That does not work. Yeah. Um, and actually before we, let me just mention one other thing that just came to mind that I feel is pretty important before mm-hmm. we jump over to the act of supervision, which is super important as well. But I should mention, so staff do a daily check of the indoor and outdoor areas, but another good thing to be aware of is that you can get a certified playground inspector to come out. There are actual oh, nice. people that are certified, um, in playground ex- inspection, excuse me. Um, I think they're trained through the National um, Recreation and Park Association. So this is what they do. They can do a really thorough inspection and look at all potential hazards. So, you know, obviously the cost, but, you know, it's something to look into and maybe do that at the beginning of each spring. Because just, you know, using a professional who's trained and skilled at that you know, we'll give the most thorough look at the beginning of the season. And then maybe the teachers or the staff person, that scout can learn from that of what they should be looking for on a daily basis. But that's one other thing that, you know, maybe wise to do maybe in April or May at the beginning of every season, just once a year. And then the staff will do the daily check. That's a fantastic recommendation because that, that, as you said, that keen eye on just what you're noting, like the bolts that might be loose or things that, that, you're not looking for as an educator because you're focused on, okay, is that too high for this kid or should these kids be playing over here? Where's the sand? But I like that. I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah, they they can give a really detailed look. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And of course, as you mentioned, there's probably a cost, but there may be some ways to um, get a grant or, you know, as part of your playground prep, who knows, there's always opportunities for, supports available and you can always reach out i'm sure to child care licensing maybe would have some more information about how those things work or where would what would someone go yes i know you can go on that um national um recreation park association to find one like you can type in your zip code to find a certified playground inspector and i'm assuming that website also would have some information on that but yeah that's wonderful yeah yeah didn't interrupt there but no no, that's that's, that's very good and helpful. And as we go into supervision, I know you mentioned there's five things to really look for. And yeah. why don't we run through those and um, highlight some of the really important pieces related to them? Okay. Yeah. So definitely no substitute for supervision. Super mm-hmm. important. Um, I know there's been statistics out there that say half of injuries are caused when there has been a lack of proper supervision. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, I, you know, setting up the environment is obviously super important, but there's just, there's no substitute for supervision. It's just key. But the five strategies to good active supervision, um, scanning and counting, um, we've got setting up the environment, but then scanning and counting, listening, anticipating children's behavior, and then engaging and redirecting. Mm-hmm. So that first one, I said, I, sorry, I said setting up the environment, but it's, it's to position staff. Oh, got so you've it. got position staff, scan and count, 
listen, anticipate the children's behavior, and then engage and redirect. So the first thing with positioning staff is just to make sure there's no blind spots, you know, that they can see the children at all times. Um, you got to make sure there's clear paths for them to see the children, that they can access the children quickly. You know, if there's an accident or something, just that they can get to them when necessary. Um, maybe plan to stay close to children that you anticipate needing some additional support. Mm -hmm. And then with positioning staff, I would keep in mind any blind spots that are just there, like, you know, the crawl spaces, tunnels on yeah. playgrounds, you know, those big kind of tubes, right. um, those yellow tubes. So those have to be supervised, you know, that yeah. you've got to be able to see the kids. So just positioning the staff that they're kind of spread out all covering an area would be the first thing. Mm -hmm. Very important. Um, second thing is I mentioned scanning and counting. So just continually scanning the environment, regularly count the children. I think it's a good idea to, while you're counting, you know, do the name to the face count. Yes. Um, you know, we've talked about this before that when transitioning, you count the children, you know, when going from indoors and outdoors, but you know, when you're outdoors too, I would say continue to just scan them and count them. Um, just where, just, I think, you know, good staff should be able to hopefully, you know, know where the children are, know how many they have in their presence at all times during transition and when they're on the playground. Um, know how many they're responsible for at any given time. And then step three is just to listen. So listen for the sounds, um, listen for the absence of sounds. You know, it's never a good thing when things get really quiet, maybe in some times, but um, just, you know, that can just, too much silence might indicate or identify some sort of harm or potential right. harm going on. So yes, yes. Listen, and then um, just to anticipate children's behaviors, mm -hmm. you know, staff, you know, childcare staff are really gifted at knowing the children. They spend a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. You know, many of these kids are in childcare during the day longer than they're at home. So staff know these kids. So just know their interests and be able to predict what they're going to do, you know, when they might wander, when they might get upset, or even just when they think they might take that risk. So yeah. it could just help knowing the child will help to anticipate their behavior. And then I think staff, you know, who can anticipate that are just better able to keep them safe, protect them. Great. Um, step five, engage and redirect. Yeah. So, you know, active supervision skills to know, you know, just to know when to offer the children extra support. So probably wait until, you know, they, they're unable to solve the problem on their own and then get involved. Um, and I'm sure many kids are going to need different levels of assistance or redirection, you know, just depending on the child or even the situation, but being able to do that as well under active supervision is really important. Definitely. And the thing that I'm noticing as you're going through this list, it's not a list where you do one, then you move on to two, then you move on to three. No, it's constant, all five, constant, all five. And I, I you know, you think about um, that tracking and scanning and counting heads. And I know that there's been, I think there's been kind of a, a increase in some challenges for sites that have had issues with kids getting out of the building or, um, you know, just because of the crisis with staffing, we know that a lot of educators are short-staffed and short-handed. It's hard to cover everything, but active supervision is probably the primary. When you think about, okay, what, what could we forego today? Well, maybe we'll forego having six art projects, but man, 
we need people involved watching kids constantly, and especially on the playground or in a large motor space or any of those, because as you said, you know the children in your care, you can anticipate. I'm just thinking about, you know, outside maybe having trikes. Well, that same path that the kids are riding the trikes around, kids are walking across. And so really being aware of having that adult there to keep an eye on things, helping kids be more aware of looking around their surroundings too for their own safety. That's something yeah. that we all have to do. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's a, it's a big responsibility and a lot, like you said, a lot going on to manage yeah. it. Yeah. And so when you t- when we talk about staff staff to child ratios, I mean, ideally we know I I hopefully every uh provider knows what they're supposed to be having as far as numbers at any given time based on the staff that they have, but um that's something that I think is really important and sometimes gets forgotten like people know what they're responsible for but they might not know the whole like if they have a building with multiple classrooms, what the other age groups are supposed to be staying as far as ratio, keeping as far as ratio, you know, just educating the whole team on that is helpful, I think. Yeah, that's a good point, especially if you normally work in, let's say, preschool, but you're going to float to toddler. Well, then it changes from one to 10 to one to seven. So that is a really good point that you want everyone to be aware of that. And, you know, those ratios, like you said, there's, there's a staffing challenge right now, huge. That's really hard. Um, but the ratios are there obviously for an important reason, just to, you know, provide better supervision and care to the children. So we got to try and strive for it. Right. And, and when you're going outside, I think that's the issue. I, I used to think about this when, um, folks would say, oh, you know, you didn't, to a child for, for possible, um, discipline or a guidance strategy would be, you're not going to be able to go outside. Well, that means then that a teacher has to stay inside with that child and that throws off the ratios completely. Um, and so really thinking things through knowing we need all the hands on deck whenever we're in those spaces, because as you said, half, that's a huge amount of accidents that could be prevented just if we would keep our eyes open and our hands ready to do what's necessary to support kids. Yeah. 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 Like I said, the safe equipment, you know, and the play space is really, play space is really important, but nothing is going to replace that act of supervision. Right. Just with half of those playground related injuries being due to improper supervision. So it is vitally important. Yeah. And then thinking too, I'm, you know, as we're just kind of wrapping up this conversation, that's going to be, you know, really useful to folks I know as they go into the spring and summer and, um, But when you think about recommended first aid and those types of things, like that immediate response on the playground, what are some things that you see that are really useful to have um, available in your setting near that play space and that play area for the the skin knees or the wipe out on the bike in the sand, you know, and just kind of that instead of walking all the way down the hall to your classroom or wherever you have those supplies, maybe keeping some things outside or what do you, yeah, what do you even recommend? Like a, yeah, even like a fanny pack, maybe yeah. that the teacher can wear just something small, just with the essentials in it. Um, some band-aids, obviously stock uh-huh. up on those gloves yes, are really important. Um, you know, you might have to take the child in, um, to wash the area with soap and water. Sometimes, um, programs do have a little bottle of like soapy water in their first aid kit. That's one way, but if, you know, 
you you do need to clean it and stuff, but I would say just those essentials like Kleenex and glove, um, some gauze, you know, if you need to apply pressure to stop breathing or excuse me, stop bleeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you, you know, you needed a full, um, first aid kit on site, but you probably don't need to lug everything out there, but you know, like the gloves and the band-aids and the gauze, would be primarily probably what you're going to need outside. And then you might have to send someone in if it needs something more than that. And of course, we always want to make sure everything's washed out with soap and water. Good first aid, um, like little manual, pocket manual too, nice. is important. Yeah. Just yeah. quick reference of instructions. Yeah. And I'm thinking if you are doing a walking field trip to a park, you know, that backpack should be well stocked with the items that are necessary for that. Just as you are bringing snacks and water, all of these things are essential for safety and a successful yeah. daytime. And if you're going to a park offsite, I would take the full first aid kit okay. with all the required components. Whereas, you know, have have a couple at least av- available. So there's always one at the program and then mm-hmm. one that would go offsite to a, you know, field trip or to a um, park or whatnot. But yeah. I think just the quick ones that are just going out on the playground right there at the center or the program um, could just have some of those essentials. Like I mentioned, the gloves and the band-aids and the gauze. Right. And the Kleenex, because kids have runny noses and it's, it seems like out, outside, you know, I remember the days where you'd bring a box of Kleenex out and then it would get all soggy or whatever. And so really making sure that you have what you need. And so just to recap the highlights, safe environment. Yep. Safe environment, active supervision and not just supervision, but active, you know, Engaged, there's a difference. Connected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked about all those things with active supervision, all those components, and then those proper child to staff ratios are really important as well. Yeah. yeah, and and truly, when all those things are in place, it can be the best time of your day, and it can be so beneficial for staff and for children to get outside, get fresh air, have freedom to move around, um, just take it all in because it is beautiful and it's it's rejuvenating for everyone. It gives you a fresh fresh perspective on things. So. Thank you for for all those tips and thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. As always, great information from Sarah Hawley, Minnesota Child Care Health Consultants. And if you want any other information, we've done a lot of podcasts with Sarah. They're available on our website, inclusivechildcare.org, and also other resources. So check us out. Thanks, Sarah. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.